0: Welcome to the Cycling Performance Club podcast, the weekly podcast where a panel of scientists, pro cyclists, and cutting-edge coaches discuss topics in training, performance, and science, and all things cycling. The show is co-hosted by Dr. Jason Boynton, a sports scientist and cycling coach, Cyrus Monk, who is a professional cycling coach and professional cyclist, and then there's me, Damien Roots, a professional cycling coach. The Cycling Performance Club podcast is normally recorded in the presence of an online audience, so you can join in and ask questions or just participate in the discussion. But we're currently moving across and figuring out a new platform, Riverside, so you will have to follow us on social media to see how you can get involved. This week, we're going to go into part two of blood lactate testing. We cut it off on the last one, so Jason is going to start where he left off last time.
1: All right. Thanks. Thanks. Let's get into the reasons why you would actually do blood lactate testing, like real good reasons. I mean, we we talked about why you would do it, but we had that whole two-part testing episode because it was important to discuss some of the things in the context of testing before getting into that. And that had to get into validity and reliability. And so if you look at the construct validity, the face validity, the content validity predictive validity they're actually not bad i mean they're established in the literature so this is another reason where you could be like oh we're going to do this test because it's well established in the literature you know construct validity um it's a valid measure of both the thresholds and the measure of threshold is important for cyclists threshold corresponds really well with competitive outcomes and face validity how does it appear to the athlete? It's pretty high. I mean, you have people that will pay for the tests and athletes are motivated to do them so there should be a high base validity for uh, blood lactate testing and then the content validity you know how is it perceived by experts and has it st- stood the test of statistical analysis? yeah, I'll be fair. yeah, it, there's experts out there that will that will uh, back up blood lactate testing for cyclists and it's definitely been. Validated in the literature and published on. So, to be fair, those all check out to an extent. Uh, And then, like we said before, you you get the two thresholds with one test. So, that's more than what you get out of a 20 minute test where you would only get the one threshold and maybe an estimate of the second one. Yeah, those are the arguments for blood lactate testing, but we've been discussing many of the arguments against them. As we've been going along here, just couldn't hold myself back. Um, But I think something that's really important to point out is it's a physiological measure, as Cyrus mentioned. And power is going to be much more important for what's going to be a valid measure of how well this person's going to be competing. And even more important and power, you could argue, is velocity. Yep. Because the faster you go, the shorter amount of time that it will take for you to finish a race, and that's what you are looking for.
2: But but from a from a training perspective, it's not necessarily the case because the where the adaptation occurs is within the body, not by how how fast you're traveling. So there is mm-hmm. there, yeah, there is arguments either way for which mm-hmm. testing will affect which scenario? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, and and there's a paper out there that we actually brought up before, I think, in the threshold episode that demonstrated that blood lactate testing was a more sensitive measure of determining training gains. But then that gets into that conversation about physiological changes that are not. Meaningful in terms of increasing your power output and your ability to compete. And what's kind of interesting is, you know, we, when we think about changes in blood lactate and changes in fitness that would result in changes in blood lactate, we think of things like increases in cardiovascular output and mitochondrial biogenesis the development of capillary beds things like that those we think of endurance exercise adaptations and we think that these are what the blood lactate is measuring and that might be the case but to get back to what we were talking about earlier with this idea of flux well one of the other things that happens when you train is you get more of these shuttle molecules that move lactate in and out of the cell. So training actually increases your ability to shuttle lactate. So it gets into this kind of interesting thought of, okay, well, is the fact that your ability to remove lactate just through it shuttling it into cells really a benefit for your performance if it's not harmful yes you can make the argument it's going somewhere to get metabolized but yeah it is a measure of training this is
0: this is the idea of training lactate clearance and things Mm -hmm. this is what you're talking about
1: yeah well it's kind of one of these things where there's probably someone out there that will tell you that this is training this exercise or this intervention is training lactate clearing but I don't know exactly what that would be. It could be just general exercise of any kind is going to increase the ability to clear lactate. I'm not exactly sure, but it's it's just kind of an interesting thought for me to that you know part of this um, maybe reduction in blood lactate from training is just the body to is ability to remove it as opposed to other things that we would be more concerned with. Does that make sense? Like things that are actually have um, benefits within endurance exercise. Like, like I said, mitochondrial biogenesis, in um, increasing your cardiac output and the things that you would see or relate to the Fick equation as opposed to just, or just remove it better and okay well yeah maybe but you're you're removing it it's a fuel maybe it's fueling other things around but it seems like it's a, a, a less direct to me
0: yeah you're having a hard time just linking that process to performance how it actually impacts uh, a writer's performance
1: i understand how it would be yeah but it's to me it's it's a little scammy <laughs> it's, it's you know what I mean? It, it's, there's all these other things that are going on. This is trainable. It goes along with it, but at the same time, Hey, maybe, maybe this isn't as great as you think, because it's just like the smoke at the fire. Right. So, um, it, it gets into how complicated that relationship is, uh, between blood lactate and oxygen consumption and steady state exercise and how these things can decouple and what causes that to decouple and what have what kind of training will change what so yeah it just like I said it gets into this kind of deep conversation of um, it measures training response but how much of that training response that it's measuring actually relates to performance because if then it gets into this, I, again, it gets into the idea of what is f- a physiologically meaningful change in blood lactate. Well, I think I'd just rather see a f- change in power output because I know that's going to have a, a better relationship with, com- with um, competition, if that makes sense for you guys. Yep. And this is why we went through the history. In the old way of thinking about blood lactate, if you think it's a toxin or a waste product or you, if you think it hurts things, then when you are able to exercise at a higher level with less lactate around, then you are going to think, well, that's good, right? But we know now that isn't necessarily the case. Yeah, just something to think about. So, for me, even though it's more sensitive, that's great. I'd rather, I want to know that there's a power increase for me and my athletes, right? Another thing is, when we talked about this with the threshold episode, we touched on it, is you know, people will talk about blood lactate testing, and they will think it's synonymous with FTP, which is not. There's pretty good evidence. I think that FTP is actually higher than MLSS and all these other blood lactate measures. And Jesus how many cyclists want their threshold to level to be lower than <laughs> FTP? You know, not many, you know, so how many people, I mean, just that, I mean, if we just talked about all the other things and then you told somebody, you're, yeah, you're going to spend what 150, $200, whatever it costs to get one of these tests and you're actually, your threshold's going to be lower than what it would be if you just did an FTP test. <laughs> that'll be how many people are going to be sold that that's that's i, I should have just done the whole episode with that don't do it because it's gonna be lower most people would be like yeah we're done we're done here that'll be the main
2: driver <laughs> for critical power is it's just gonna mostly be a higher number so people mm, just, yeah
1: that's a, that's the point we'll just love that yeah because uh i think it was skiba's thing with the bike score it's probably more valid than what training peaks is doing but I, I, one of the reasons I heard it didn't catch on was because the score was lower than what DSS will give you, yeah. which just sounds horrible. But yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a little bit of a tangent. But it gets into what you're talking about in the beginning of the season, there's some blood lactate testing that goes on.
2: Yeah. Right. It, yeah. And this is just word of mouth. Like it's not gospel that every. Every team would do it for just their their preseason camp. Some might mm-hmm. not do it at all, and some might do it every training camp. But mm-hmm. yeah, largely, largely when there's there's the time and and the sports scientists are all actually there, then they'll they'll undertake mm-hmm.
1: it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they just feel obligated, just like the team feels obligated to hire masseuses. I, I don't know, um, but it's one of those things where when we get into this idea of discriminant validity and you know i shared the story of the camp where there was an exercise physiologist or coach there that was testing athletes and one day he did a threshold power test and the next day he did a lactate threshold test Well, so those are basically measuring the same concept yes. which, which is threshold and then he compared the results and was like, hey look how how close these are but if you looked at the air between them or how much the differences were i mean there was massive differences between the two days and they never would it was never like one was higher than the other one was lower than the other. they're just all over the place so you've just basically done the same test twice with athletes yeah. so this gets into this idea of blood lactate testing doesn't even really work very well in conjunction with a lot of testing because You're just measuring things twice in a sense. There's a high correlation between blood lactate testing uh, thresholds and something like critical power or functional threshold power. This gets into the the idea of there's a lot of human error that's involved in this whole thing. And there's a lot of bias and that type of thing. And the interrater error, lots of reliability issues. So that people should be kind of aware of before they just assume that, oh, this is very scientific and it's going to give me this very accurate scientific results and from my metabolism.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: Do they still use that cream
0: beforehand to bring the blood to the surface? Oh, I don't know.
2: The, Did you ever ca- use that uh, in testing? The capsaicin stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we looked at that because there was a few people that would – be, be useless but we worked out if we just warm their hand up they were fine like just yeah put a literally like put a warmer uh like one of those a glove. Hand you know, like a, a bean bag in the microwave for a bit and then just let them hold that before uh-huh. they did the test and they were fine
1: yeah i've done that as well well i've, I've been in a lab setting where they had a hand warmer because yeah. they were like testing at five in the morning in the middle of winter
0: yeah. We had this stuff on the ear. Yeah. And it was always just making sure that you didn't go for a piss.
2: Oh, yeah. That's a good point. And get
0: it mixed up. Yeah. Cause it's super like just has you throbbing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think AIS is still heavy. That's like it's it's their main test. Because it yeah. because they would do it alongside a VO two max test.
2: Yeah, I know the trackies do use it a heap. Um, they love it and they use it. We're testing their like uh, beta alanine supplementation levels and their bicarb supplementation and that kind of stuff because Mm -hmm. they're massive on that for their TPs and IPs where it's obviously all that's that's the main system at play.
1: Um, All right. So one other thing that we have to worry about that you don't have to worry about with a power test. and blood lactate testing, there's a biohazard risk because you're poking somebody with something and you have to make sure that is clean so you don't give them any kind of infection. And then you have to worry about, well, now you've got blood everywhere. And blood's a good way to pass infections on to other people. I mean, how horrible would it be if you had an athlete that got some kind of infection from a blood lactate test? It'd, It'd be bad.
0: Um, random question
1: here: yep. Do you
0: have to be qualified some sort, some way? Like, can anybody just do it?
2: Is yeah, it no, you know, like yeah. Yeah.
0: injections, taking blood? You have to have some type of qualification, That's I imagine. A good point. Is it the same thing here?
2: I think no. I don't think you have no. to have qualifications. We certainly didn't at, at no. university we're no,
1: doing no. It. You just buy I, the just buy the kits, it, buy the Lancet. Obviously, whatever. you'd
2: want consent. For an athlete before, you'd want to let them know yeah. that it's a lactate test before you, you jab them. Oh, obviously. Just yeah. say, oh, what's that on your finger? Bang. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it.
1: Uh, we're doing some science here <laughs> that we're not going to publish. But there's nothing
0: in, in like but... sports science degrees that says, right, now you can administer a lactate test.
1: No. Nah. I mean, there's bodies that do accreditation.
0: Like I've had sports scientists take my blood. Is that illegal <laughs> as well?
1: Uh, no, I bet if they were the AIS, they were probably accredited. Yeah, I'd say in some way. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I remember. I, mean, I remember a sports scientist taking it and then telling me after it was their first time. Yeah, yeah. Lucky, lucky did, they didn't tell me before. Did you feel special? <laughs> did you feel special? <laughs> no.
2: He <laughs> <you have> <laughs> had a good connection after right. that. <laughs>
1: So, and then the last thing to kind of point out here, and I mentioned this to you, Damien, is the there's a high cost to data point ratio. Let's think about this. As you are in this test, there's what maybe seven to ten steps, something like that. I mean, maybe I've seen them as high as fifteen, maybe, and each one of those is uh, one data point. But think about heart rate. The, you get a data point every second and you basically buy a heart rate monitor for what 100 bucks now something like that no my way you go into the, yeah going to the yeah you get to do a blood lactate test think of like 15 data points for however much you're going to pay for it that's i mean yeah you do get a threshold out of it but there's very few data points and a very very high cost for those data points I just mention it because a lot of people I don't think might not realize that, like how cheap heart rate is versus how expensive and few data points you would get out of blood lactate testing. All right, so if we are looking at blood lactate testing and we have decided maybe blood lactate testing cyclists isn't the best idea, this brings up the question of is it normal for us to stop testing athletes or certain populations using certain methods. And yes, I actually have an interesting example of that. I don't know if this is the case for you guys coming out of Australia, but in the US, we don't do pull-ups anymore because they've decided that doesn't really fit well in terms of a great way of measuring fitness. So, this was a very common test. I remember doing it when I was a kid, but I, from my understanding, they do not do that anymore. So we have two different generations of Australians here. Damien, do you remember doing the pull-up test when for fitness? Did they have anything like that in Australia?
0: You mean like doing pull-ups?
1: Yeah. Overhand pull-ups. To f- uh,
2: at school? Did you guys
1: do fitness? Yeah, at school. Did you guys do fitness tests?
2: Only no. one I remember doing is the beep test every single year. Do the beep test. Hmm.
0: I did the beep test as part of like T I D, but but never as part of school. Just Mm. normal school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We used to do sit-up tests, stretch tests, um, or flexibility. Um yeah. We we used to have to see if we could climb up a a rope and wow. That's because the US is just a giant Sparta.
0: That's how you pass. That's how you pass PE. By just being better than other people no
1: it wasn't about passing it was about assessing it was about pulling in a bunch of data to assess the u.s's fitness of its children
0: uh-huh.
1: now, yeah yep. um okay. so but you know we don't we don't do that anymore because how many kids can do pull-ups anymore <laughs> it's kind of sad but um yeah so we got rid of that so Yeah, we do get rid of tests. We do stop doing tests on occasions with certain populations. That's not unusual. So if you decide, well, yeah, I would like to maybe avoid doing a blood lactate testing. If we're going to sit here and say that it doesn't work, it's probably good for us to come up with some alternatives for it. So we're not just complaining without solutions. And one, it is tricky because, as we said before, the a blood lactate test can give you two thresholds in its process. So we have to come up with ways of measuring both both of these thresholds. And for the the threshold that's between the heavy domain and the severe domain for exercise, that's going to be a pretty common threshold. So that's where FTP is. That's where critical power is. Uh, That's where the VT2 is so
0: that's what we hammered to death in the thresholds episode.
1: Mhm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mostly. So we don't that's have to get one. into Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that there's a lot of thresholds you could use for that. The trickier one is that first threshold of the aerobic threshold or LT1. And so and I think a lot of people are operating without a good um measure of that anyways i think they're probably just getting the anaerobic threshold and then somehow getting an estimate of it, estimation of it using the training zones that they have so it's co- but, for me
0: i hear yeah it's common to take just the percentage of fdp you know, mm-hmm. 65 percent usually um, the mm-hmm. other one i hear a lot about people talking about is just riding at a comfortable pace Riding at a mm-hmm. place they know they can sustain for a long time. Maybe the talk mm-hmm. test is thrown in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. That's, that, was, the two that was that main sort of things. Yeah.
1: Yep. The talk test is one that I would uh, have written down here to bring up, and that's pretty easy to do. It's kind of funny where people we're talking about Siler trying and other people trying to give instructions of how people can do blood lactate testing on themselves. Not only that, we can do graded exercise tests at home on a trainer. But the funny thing is, is you could just find out that LT1 or aerobic threshold more specifically by doing a talk test, um, which doesn't require you having to poke yourself while you're <laughs> exercising, right? It's more about um, <clears throat> just reading a paragraph and you could even get really slick about it and record yourself reading the paragraph, right, and listen to it back after the test and, and figure out where it exactly happened you don't even have to figure out where it's occurring during the test you could do it afterwards so that's probably the easiest one the other one that i would probably mention the up-and-coming dfa alpha one it might be another way to potentially find that first threshold but you know there's just i think there's four or five papers out on it now it's been kind of gaining some steam in the last year or so but the one kind of ironic thing about it is that they have from my understanding from if i remember right they've been kind of validating it against blood lactate so it's to me it's i actually without getting in too much into dfa alpha one um it's it's a measure it's basically a measure that they have that's they turn determining off of heart rate variability values and it's looks at how the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems are kind of competing with each other they're always just push and pull um between the parasympathetic and sympathetic systems and the dfa alpha one is kind of a a representation of which one is where um and so yeah it's like i said without getting into it too much it's and it's very new. And it's so, I, I think I'll be, I'm be kind of uh, watch this space type of thing. But I think that coming up in the future, a couple of years here, uh, will be a very interesting measure. And I think it's going to be able to tell us more than blood lactate uh, testing will. I That's d- my opinion on it right now.
2: I do like the idea of that because it is an internal measure. Um, I do like as a, as someone passionate about physiology, the internal measures that actually give you an idea of what's going on within the body. And obviously blood lactate is something like that, but I think the real-time nature of this uh, DFA Alpha 1 um, is going to give us a bit uh, more practical application for and something that you can use multiple times throughout the year like we don't see lactate testing being done every week because it's quite time consuming and quite expensive whereas if we can get these kind of heart rate variability technology if we can get that to the level where it's relatively cheap relatively easy to implement then that's going to be something that's going to be quite useful for determining these thresholds and being able to adapt them as the athletes levels change. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and like and like you said early on as well, this thing of doing an aerobic threshold test is much easier. You're not going to max. Yeah, you just have to uh, ride at sub maximal for longer periods of time, you know, and just step it up slowly just to figure it out. And this falls under that category as well. I think as as parallel with the science here, as long as the technology keeps evolving, you know, like right now it's on an app on your phone, so it's kind of good if you're doing these tests indoor or whatever but then if you start to want to apply it to when you're riding outside and sticking in the zone that's given to you um, then it just becomes a bit clunkier so uh, as long as the technology sort of goes forward at the same time then i I think we'll see a a pretty big adaption um, of this
1: yeah because if you think about it it is going to be a lot better than the blood lactate because as we've talked about um already we've talked about these areas of flux with blood lactate which is going to offer or um, insert variability within the measure and just having this kind of electrophysiological measure that you can pick up with a heart rate monitor and tells you something as core to physiology as how the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems are interacting with each other that's more fundamental to your physiology than whatever you're going to figure out from blood lactate measures so like i said this we're going to watch this space and um see how that goes but I, i i Unless there's some major issues which you could potentially have with people who have different types of arrhythmias and things like that, they might struggle with these measures. We don't know yet. But for ease of use and validity, I would probably put more emphasis on this if it turns out to be as good as we think it is. But um, yeah, those are what I think would be good alternatives for blood lactate testing. And, um, yeah, with that, that's, I think I've beat that horse to death.
0: I just want to take a quick break here to say thanks for stopping by and listening to the show, a show where we aim to provide you with content that is thought provoking, well researched and practical. If you find any value in the show, it would mean a lot to us. If you shared the show with other cycling performance enthusiasts in your life. Also, if you want help with your cycling performance beyond our show, we would love to help you. You may have guessed that my co-host and I offer coaching services for cyclists, but you might not know that we also offer consulting services for cycling coaches and teams. So whether it's additional guidance in training principles, insights into technologies and analysis techniques, assistance in heat acclimation, help developing from an amateur to a pro, or any other topic related to cycling performance... Our goal is to provide support tailored to your specific goals and increase the level of confidence you have in your cycling performance pursuits. So definitely check us out online and contact us with any inquiries that you may have. Links to each of our websites can be found in the show notes of this episode. And with that, let's get back into it.
1: We started with a little quiz and I think I want to finish off with an exercise that my co-hosts and I will play along and hopefully the people at home can also kind of be thinking along with this. So because we've been kind of taking a jab at <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this always phone? <laughs> Alright, so because we have been taking um this down the, the road of one of our typical exercises in critical thinking, I thought I would bring out claims made by people who provide the blood lactate testing services. And so I have four claims that I have found from people who actually provide this service. I'm going to run it by you guys. I'm going to run them by you guys. And you let me know what your thoughts are. Claim one, blood lactate threshold tests are better than vo2 max tests
2: uh yeah i i wouldn't if if it was on a on a line from strongly disagree to strongly agree i would probably be somewhere between disagree and neutral
1: uh, don't think about it in the spectrum. Think about it critically.
2: Um. Well, yeah, I think we'd have to. Yeah, you'd have to make a lot of comparisons to all the different components to to really get into it. If If I was to choose one or the other, I think I would choose. Geez, that's actually a really tough one. I think I would choose a VO2 max test still. Damien?
0: It is a tough one because if you were just thinking all things considered, if they were the same price, same effort to do it, I don't necessarily think I'd get sort of anything useful from either of them <laughs> uh, for training prescription. It's sort of just what is the interest to me from the information I can get from it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sort of I'm on the fence, really.
1: For me, I think it's a, it's a silly comparison. It is correct in a sense. Um, yes, blood lactate threshold testing is better for determining threshold and threshold is a better determinant of competitive ability than what someone's VO2 max test is. But the thing is, it's silly to kind of compare them because they tell you different things. So there's justification to do both, even though you can make the argument that blood lactate testing is a better measure of endurance ability. However... It's also a little bit of a non-sequitur in the sense of like, okay, well, blood lactate testing is better than VO2 max testing. That's great, but I'm not looking for that measurement. I want to know, is blood lactate threshold testing better than other measures of threshold, right? That's what really is the issue, not comparing it to something, some test that measures something completely different. And they would be right if they was talking about a graded exercise test that was looking doing this 82.5% conversion or whatever it is, they'd be right in that case as well. It's going to be more accurate than that. But um, in terms of threshold tests, it's neither here nor there. Uh, It's like I said, it's kind of a non sequitur.
0: But this is where I I personally wouldn't be doing uh, blood lactate to get threshold. So then it's just some Mm -hmm. interesting data point. And the same with VO2, it's, it's an interesting data point, so it's just choosing which one yeah. you're interested mm-hmm. in checking out. But for me, it doesn't, it doesn't impact the way that I would coach or train.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Claim number two, blood lactate tests help monitor gains and changes in cycling fitness. What do you think about that claim as a selling point?
2: I would say they do help. To what degree? Is, I think we've sort of established here that it might not be to a huge degree, but it's, it is something extra to have in there. And if you have the knowledge to be able to analyze the tests correctly in a useful way, then I think they would be helpful alongside other measures, such as just straight up power differences in power output.
1: Yeah. And it's not, this isn't a true or false thing. The this, this statement that they're making is 100% correct. Yeah. But the critical thinking part of it is, for me, okay, well, yes, this is true. It helps monitor gains. But in your case, or in the pro's case, we, we've already established that most of the time they're only doing it at the pre-season or maybe post or something like that. It's not an easy test to have someone do regularly either it's going to be expensive or they're going to be traveling and not in the lab where they originally got tested and if you want it to be accurate you should try to be you know as consistent as possible yeah and so this whole thing yes it's true but it gets back to this thing is is it better than what the other options are out there for measuring threshold and monitoring performance gains and so again it's kind of a non sequitur yeah it's true Great. Tell me if it's better. This doesn't tell me it's better. And so that's where I'm at on this one. Number three, blood lactate testing can help determine FTP. That one should be easy.
0: Incorrect.
1: Yep. Results are mixed. Yes, they are correlated, but most studies put 20-minute power and FTP higher than maximal lactate steady state and other measures of determining blood lactate thresholds. Last one, number four for the listeners at home and my co-host. Blood lactate testing can determine training zones, and or blood lactate testing can determine training zones more accurately.
2: More accurately mm. than what? Or they just <laughs> they just say more accurately. <laughs> um, no, well either. Well, or. I think. Uh, yeah, this. If I was going to compare it to something, it would be comparing lactate thresholds to ventilatory thresholds for defining those moderate and severe exercise domains. And uh, then you train your three training zones based on those two thresholds. Um, but yeah, I think then you just have to compare whether it's going to be more beneficial to assess the lactate thresholds or the ventilatory thresholds when defining those training zones. Mm-hmm. But also to define, yeah, to define the training zones by uh, lactate measurements, you can't train based on lactate when you're out on the road. And most people's training sessions are done out on the road. Most of our athletes mm-hmm. we work with have a power meter and a heart rate monitor. So if you can define mm-hmm. the training zones based on those data points, like the data they can get from those then that's going to be actually practical mm-hmm. whereas if you're defining tra- training zones based on lactate values it's not going to be something that athletes can use mm-hmm.
1: and you have a thought Damien? no <laughs> 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 all right so what i have down here is what evidence do we have to demonstrate training in more accurate zones is better i don't know i mean you can make an argument for it but Do we have like really great evidence for it? I don't know. But that's not the knockout argument here. (laughs) Getting back to the first statement, it's probably definitely going to be a better way to determine zones than a graded exercise test or VO2max test. I agree with that. But using it to determine zones based off of thresholds, We already talked about how well they correlate with each other and what's accurate and that type of thing. And critical power is probably a better measure for at least the, quote unquote, anaerobic threshold. So is it really better? I don't know. And the one last one that I have that, so I lied, it's five, um, is that blood lactate testing measures
2: your metabolism. Al? Well... It, yeah it me- measures metabolism on on one level uh, i would i would say yes i think metabolism in the way that a lot of people uh, there's a there's a lot of different kinds of metabolism occurring in your body so that's yeah. it, it, it is measuring one one metabolite and one kind of metabolism mm
1: hmm Yeah, basically, I'm like, yeah, big deal. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, None of these are false. That's the thing. Yeah. They're all truthful statements. And that is, so that is the kind of misleading thing, or not misleading, but the thing you have to be aware of is there's, 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 these aren't lies. These are very truthful statements. And, but you have to look at the kind of the bigger picture of what is being offered. And like I said, think critically. And, but the reason. But overall, I, you
0: haven't, you're not saying don't do it. Like, we're not saying that there's yeah. not some place in some scenarios, like, you know, we haven't totally closed the door, put, really haven't put the nail in the coffin here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say anything absolute about this, but am I going to do a blood lactate test on myself? No. Am I going to do a blood lactate test to determine thresholds on my athletes? No. Um, I was going to do blood lactate testing in my research. I got rid of it as soon as I could because it took a whole other person to do it is just to do the blood lactates when I was getting measures from a metabolic card and uh, thermistors and, you know, getting core temperature and a bunch of other measures on RPE, all these things. I could run a whole test session with all these measures by myself, but... If I wanted to measure blood lactates, I would have had to add another person into the mix. And that also gets into this whole thing. We talked about in the testing episode about you can run a test on yourself by yourself now. You can't do that. I mean, supposedly we're trying to teach people how to do that now, right? Um, But is it necessary? Do we really need to get... That and how accurate is it going to be when you're running in those areas that are above threshold, and you're trying to stick yourself? This is this is you know seems a little bit far fetched, a little bit ridiculous at this point. But um, yeah, the reason I brought these up is one is a quote from John Stuart Mill's actually, and it's about. If you want to, you know, when you're arguing with someone or not arguing, but but you have to entertain the argument from the person who is a proponent of it. You have to take it directly from them. You can't take the argument secondhand. So, this is why when I came into the whole disputing whether or not we should blood lactate cyclists, one of the things I did was try to go to all the people that were proponents of it and get the arguments from them so that I could determine uh, what their arguments truly were. Because one of the things is I was thinking about writing a review or a scientific paper to, to kind of put these thoughts out there. Um, and I didn't want to get embarrassed in the scientific community by placing all these arguments out there and then not realizing that, I'd missed an argument. So yeah, the reason I brought this up is because I wanted to go directly to the source and figure out what they're actually doing because people who are promoting it might actually have an argument that I've missed. And so that was another reason that I have these uh, statements, these claims is because I went looking to find what the arguments were for using this. And maybe I missed One, I don't know, but I tried to find as many as I could so that I could have an idea if there was actually a valid reason from someone who would actually promote it. Anyways, that is all I have for you guys and another long session or a long podcast in physiology, but hopefully people found some value in it. Thanks. I
2: appreciate it. thoughts
1: to wrap up here?
2: Yeah, it's probably left me about where I was on it initially but with a bit more knowledge i think i uh, come in with the same thing of if it's there on offer and it's not going to be too expensive or too inconvenient can be useful but i wouldn't be putting it above other tests too quickly and also as we discussed in the testing episode with any test you just have to assess whether it's worth the the stress on the athlete and whether it's just practical to be included given this test is probably not something i would do too many times throughout the season i if i'm only going to do it once a year like i know a lot of people might be doing i don't really see whether it's useful at all if you're not if it's not going to influence training so in mm-hmm. that instance i'd yeah i'd probably still be choosing other tests over this one
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I'm, I'm about the same point as well uh hasn't moved my position on it, it's just given me more information, <laughs> probably not to do it. Uh-huh. Um, but it does open up this question about lactate training, which I think is still an open question here. Uh-huh. You know, we've kind of, you, you brought up some really good points, Jason, about um, maybe it's framed that way because of the history of the testing and how it was used and how it was first introduced into the scientific literature and stuff. So this is all carrying over, like, is there a way that potentially we could investigate the whole role of lactate clearance, all these terms and all this training and stuff around this and whether it's actually useful for performance? Um, that's, That's the big thing that I'm probably walking away here from.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, there's, I mean, because this metric has been around for a long, long time, I mean... I downloaded a lot of papers on this. And did I get a chance to read them all? No. I had to skim abstracts and conclusions and things like that. I still didn't get through all those papers. This is, so the door is open to make an argument, but it's not like those. these are all papers that are trying to make arguments for blood lactate testing, right? And I didn't get to all of them. These are just papers that kind of discuss relationships between blood lactate and other physiological measures and blood lactate and, as a measure of threshold. It just kind of lays those things out.
2: Um, and there'll be a few people listening to this that are probably screaming saying, hey, you didn't mention this or read this paper. So get in touch with us if if you're pissed off that we've, we've left something out that's, uh, <laughs> and you're a massive lactate testing lover and yeah you're saying hey you haven't discussed this then yeah definitely get in touch with us because that's the stuff we want to hear yeah
1: yeah for sure yeah i'm i'm happy to hear arguments i could have missed for it of course there is that um seminar that's coming up in iran right now and they're going to be talking about blood lactate i'm going to be listening to that they'll be interested to see how much ag is on my face (laughs) because this episode is going to come out right around the same time or right after that seminar uh is going to be held so it's
0: pretty funny when you like i came across this seminar because uh david bishop yeah tweeted it so some pretty Mm -hmm. respected people are floating around yep uh this thing so it will be interesting
1: yep so if if i Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sending me that, Damien. I actually just put that in my calendar today. So if um, I'm going to listen in on that, and if I have some things that are really wrong, (laughs) I will have a follow up to this, and my apologies will be there. (laughs) (laughs) But on the practical side of it, if someone was going to offer my athlete a free one, probably would tell them not to take it. I think I'm at that point. If they can give me a better argument than anything I've seen, maybe we'll, we'll have a conversation about it. But in lieu of that, I cannot see. I would probably strongly kind of recommend not doing it for any of my athletes because I'd say there's other things that you can be doing besides that. And Yeah even if it was free. Cool. And I think with that I'll just kind of hit my conclusions here. Um that would be blood lactate testing has been determined as a valid and reliable testing method of testing cyclists. However, it is difficult to justify its practice given its expense, risk, lack of ecological value and impracticality compared to other methods used to test cyclists much of blood lactate testing's current use can potentially be attributed to tradition high face validity marketing and a lack of knowledge and understanding about better alternatives
0: all right but there does that
1: mean i'm biased no give me an argument someone want to send the something to the show disputing no, this? no absolutes on this go issue ahead. yeah no it's open
0: Cool. Well, let's uh, let's end it there then. And uh, definitely, thanks for doing the work on that one, Jason. Yeah, no worries. I, I think people listening to your perspective on it is valuable. I, I certainly uh, appreciate it. And uh,
1: if you want to do anything, unless do it's it dying show. off by itself, <laughs> unless it's dying off by itself, like we talked about at the beginning, oh, it was dying. It was, dy- <laughs> was going to die anyways, Jason. Good job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, if you want to do anything for the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Cycling Club Pod or Instagram at Cycling Performance Club and find out about how you can get involved with the show and listen in live, ask questions, get involved with the con- conversation in real time. Uh, there's no problem with that. But we shall leave it there. So thank you and
2: cheers. Cheers. See you next week.
0: Bye.